Welcome back, everyone, to episode three of the Rundown Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Justin Rogers, and you can find me on Twitter at RunDFF. I'm here again with Jeff Roby. You folks out there may have to cut him some slack if he sounds a bit depressed. What a turn of events for our respective teams. Saints are without their star QB. Falcons get a big win over the Eagles. And the fate of the division seems to lean toward the old Dirty Birds. It was not a great weekend for Roby, but... Man, did your fantasy teams at least lift your spirits, bud? So I was looking good in the first games on Sunday. Felt good about it. Looking I was going to do another 4-0 week. However, those afternoon games, they killed me. Absolutely. And I wound up going two for two this weekend, so I'm really pretty pretty depressed there. I'm you know, thinking about Drew Brees, feeling bad for him, feeling bad for myself because I have to watch how this may play out and see the whole future go. So Sean Payton with a new five-year contract, and you got potentially your starting quarterback for the rest of your career. This is not a issue of quarterback. This is an issue of offensive line not being able to play, and that's just what it is. I felt bad, but it's not the quarterback's fault. We just got to move forward with Teddy Bridgewater, and I think it's going to be fine. Man, I think Sean Payton may be regretting that five-year extension after what he saw with Bridgewater. I don't care what you say. Bridgewater's not good. I've been preaching it for a long time. He's mediocre at best. He's not going to carry a team. Y'all are in for a hell of a haul down the road there. I think we can make it to 4-4. Four four. I think we'll be good. Hella lucky to be 4-4 four and four looking at that schedule. But, man, week two went down, and so did a handful of quarterbacks. Brace yourselves for the QB apocalypse is upon us. Man, we already know Foles is gone. He's out last week. Ben Roethlisberger out for the year. He's having elbow surgery. Drew Brees, of course, out for six weeks at least. You know, it's on his throwing hand, that thumb. And even Cam Newton, we got news today. He's in a boot. He's aggravated his foot injury that I mentioned in the first episode. He's going to miss some time you know, a week or two at least, this is a downgrade to every skill position out there. If you're an owner of one of these guys, you can't feel great. This is where, you know, Dynasty League owners, if you're listening and you play Dynasty and you've got some of these skill positions, this is where you get a preview of life after retirement because when Roethlisberger and Drew Brees hang it up, you're going to have a situation where you're looking for something out of players that have relied on great quarterback play and maybe they don't get as much you know early returns show Kamara and Michael Thomas struggling Uh, Michael Thomas got plenty of targets Uh, he's still good in PPR I think it was 10 catches for 89 yards but that's a dink and dunk offense at best Bridgewater's not going to be great for Michael Thomas in standard leagues going to the Steelers You've got Connor. He's going to face more stacked boxes. Juju goes from what was a top six or seven wide receiver to maybe around 15 or so for the rest of the year. Tell you one guy to keep an eye on, and there's a little bit of a shower narrative, as Adam Levitan will say, is James Washington. Look, he played with Mason Rudolph at Oklahoma State. He's got some chemistry there. If you've watched him in the preseason, he's been a monster playing with Mason Rudolph. If you're looking for a a sneaky little pickup, and we're going to mention him again closer to the end of the show, but James Washington is someone that might be the only beneficiary of all this. As far as the Panthers go, CMC, he's going to take a, a huge hit. He relied upon Cam Newton to open up some lanes with that threat of running. You could see he just wasn't able to get anything going this week. And Kyle Allen was able to support Moore and Samuel in his lone game last year. But uh, I'm not sure if he'll be able to do everything with all three of those players. So you're talking about probably losing some production out of every one of those. I know that I'm worried about everyone on those teams, every one of those players, for reasons that we all know. I mean, you're talking about Hall of Fame caliber quarterbacks that are now going to be out for extended periods of time. Jeff? 
How you feeling, man? I know we talked about it for a second there, but how you feeling about uh, Kamara, Michael Thomas, Juju? I know you got James Conner on a team. Uh, we almost worked a trade, and that would have been a messy situation because it was a Kamara, Conner, and a bunch of other pieces. But are you worried? Let's talk about Pittsburgh first. When I looked at the Kamara situation and our trade, because we, we talked about Kamara being in there and Connor being in there, uh, and then we had some other decent players in there too. I'm not quite sure if I'd have felt good this week or if you'd have felt good this week or we both just would have felt bad. We're like, did we just really just swap bad situation? So it looks like Connor's going to play, right? And it looks like, let's stay in with the Steelers. You're absolutely right on James Washington. He's a must pick up right now. But I do think Juju's going to get his targets. I, I don't think it's that bad uh, of, a, of a situation. I think Rudolph is actually a pretty decent quarterback. I think he's going to be able to come in. I think that they believe in him, and they think that he's going to be the answer to post Frostburgers anywhere. So I think this is his opportunity to come in. And trust me, I go back a little bit here, but I think this could be a situation like you had with Bledsoe and Brady back in the day. Okay, so that's just me. So I think your your players wow. are going to be fine. And Roethlisberger, if he's got if he's got some playing time in him left, I think it may be on a different team in the future. But I think this is definitely Rudolph's time to take over. And if he plays well, it's his team for life. That's my take on Pittsburgh. Next, let's go into the Saints. Well, hold on. Let, me, let me stop you real quick, Jeff, because yeah. I, I don't know if you're aware, but uh, Roethlisberger has a $25 million cap hit next year, dead cap. He can't be cut. So he's going to be back next year. Just a heads up. They got him at least for one more year. I don't think that Roethlisberger comes back and they're like, oh, yeah, let's just stick with Mason Rudolph and let Roethlisberger ride the bench with $25 million of salary sitting there. So is that a no trade clause with that guy? Well, you you can't. Sure, you could possibly find a trade partner for a 38-year-old quarterback. But the prospects of that in the NFL, especially with so many young quarterbacks out there right now, the NFL, you know, for a long time it was the NFL has a quarterback problem. Now the NFL is QB rich. I mean, there's very few teams that truly need a quarterback. I mean, we all know about the Dolphins, but, you know, and the, the Broncos, who they drafted the Drew Locke. You don't feel great about that. Well, the, the Jets have Sam Darnold. They oh, you're just, talking about long, long term, right. Okay. Yeah, of course, of course. Next year, year after, whatever. There's not many opportunities to trade a 38-year-old quarterback coming off of major elbow injuries. Would you put it past Roethlisberger to retire after the season, seeing what he's got? No. Oh, but of course, I said 25 million in cap, but he's got like 33 million of salary. So I don't know that you want to but throw like 33 we're million. We're talking dollars. about an injury that was non-contact. So this is a situation where it's not like somebody hit him and he hurt himself. This happened just in the motion of throwing a pass. Right. So, and, and what I'll say is he's talked about not wanting to play when he's getting beat up or whatever. This is not one of those injuries. This is just a freak injury where he throws a pass. Elbow tweaks, and all of a sudden, he's got a torn ligament or something. I, have, I still haven't heard details on exactly what happened, but I know he's having surgery. Long term, yeah, that's a great discussion for, you know, at the postseason because he's out for the rest of the year. This is Mason Rudolph's opportunity of a lifetime. Yeah, he's got the shot now. He's got to show something this season. If he goes out there and balls, he's got the weapons. So you feel as good about Juju as you did on Saturday looking towards Sunday games? No, absolutely not. I mean, I don't feel as good, but I certainly don't feel as bad as, say, if I'm a Carolina Panthers uh, wide receiver owner or, you know, like, I, I don't feel as bad as I did with CMC, you know, like they're going to stack the box against him. Like, I feel better about the Pittsburgh Steelers than I do the Carolina Panthers, you know. So I, I feel the same about Pittsburgh Steelers and the players that are on there as I do like Juju versus Thomas on the Saints. Right. I think yeah. both are going to see their targets. I mean, Thomas one drop there for short of 100 yards. Um, he got he had 10 catches. He got his numbers. And that wasn't like he had a bunch before Drew went out. Drew went out early. So Very to me, 
He's going to catch it. He's going to get his targets. Problem is, what's the quality of those targets? You just said it. If you're getting 10 catches for 89 yards, that's some Jarvis Landry numbers right there. And Jarvis Landry was never a top five, top six wide receiver. Jarvis Landry was a low-end wide receiver one, high-end wide receiver two on his best year. I mean, if you're going to catch 10 for 89, let's look at some numbers real quick before we move on. Let's just say he gets 120 catches, okay? If he averages nine yards a catch... He's got less than 1,100 yards. That's not frightening. No, I'm still. I'm. I'm telling you right now. He. He. I'm. I am playing him. I am that'll not have, taking him off my starting roster. But that'll put him in the wide receiver two conversation. Same with Juju. If if he's only getting 1,100, 1,000 or 1,100 yards, that's wide receiver two. That's not wide receiver one. So I just think you should lower your expectations significantly for all these guys because Bridgewater and Rudolph are not Breeze and Roethlisberger. No, but here's the thing. Uh, unlike the Steelers, the Saints expect Drew Breeze back. Give it eight weeks. Give it the Atlanta game, post-Atlanta game, right? Maybe it's that, Maybe it's the bye week before that, okay? Give it give it an extra week, maybe two. And so you got I, Drew back. Yeah, so, rest of the season, I'd much rather have Michael Thomas than Juju simply because Breeze is actually going to be on the field again and Roethlisberger's not. You're playing both of them this week. You're not ever, uh, seeing, you're not ever uh, seeing them, but so my thing is, is this: give them a week. Let's see how this weekend, this week goes. If it's devastating, because now you got both quarterbacks going to have an opportunity to have a full week with that number, with the number ones, uh, build that rapport a little bit rather than just having those Wednesdays with the quarterback, with the with the first. And let's see now next week if you're feeling the same way and you're feeling very unsa- unhappy, then sell high, you know, trade trade them. Yeah, sell the name value, right? Yeah, maybe you can get something for the name value. Right, but right now, play them and don't bench them. No, <laughs> bench them, I don't know why you're no. listening to this anymore. Yeah. So start your studs. That's always been my thing. Start your studs. Start your studs. All right. Well, speaking of studs, uh, we got varsity and our JV again. Let's get kicking off with our varsity here. I'm gonna get it going with the man who has shown out on the ground he's been the star of the nfl so far this year and that's dalvin cook starts with 111 yards last week does even better this week he goes up drops 20 for 154 against those packers uh you know they couldn't pull out the win but he got his numbers gets a touchdown catches three for 37 he's active in the receiving game he's just churning yards on the ground man if there's a stud out there to start and do it while you can because who knows with his injury history but Dalvin Cook is a monster right now. Yeah, so I'm with you on Dalvin Cook. I, I got him in the league, and I still have concerns uh, about his health, whether or not he can hold up for a whole season. But I, that's why I got a good handcuff with him. And I think we'll talk about him later. But uh, but Dalvin Cook, so far, balling. Going to continue to ball in a offense that is obviously showing that they are only going to they are going to run the ball first, run the ball second, and then uh, run the ball third, and right. then only pass when they are absolutely in a position where – uh, they have to pass. So Dalvin Cook all the way. So let's go to the Green Bay Pack. So Aaron Jones is one of those varsity players to me. I mean, he rushed 23 times for 116 yards and a touchdown. So for anybody out there who thought, hey, he had a horrible first week, he didn't get going, I'm very concerned, for, you know, what should I do? Is he a flex player? Should I bench him? Uh, yeah, keep playing this dude. He is a, a high-end RB2 who can get some RB1 status out there. He's going up against the Broncos uh, in week three. I think he's going to get his this week. So so keep him in there. Keep playing him, and you're gonna. I think you're going to pay off. Yeah, if you've got a top four draft pick, you can't sit him, especially after one bad week. So please don't overreact people to one bad game. 
People have bad games. They're going to have a bad game throughout the season. If he had had a bad game in week nine and he had been doing well previously, you wouldn't say, oh, I'm going to bench him in week 10. you got to keep that same mentality going into a season. If you've got a player and he performs poorly in week one, you can't just say, I'm done with you, put him and put him down to pasture. You know, you've got to you've got to give him a shot, let him do his thing. Now, if he shows nothing again, then you start to worry a little bit. But Aaron Jones clearly is a bell cow running back. His snap share went up significantly. His usage was was massive. Jamal Williams got in on some of the receiving action, but Aaron Jones is clearly the best runner in, in that backfield. Speaking of best runners out there, my boy Julio! He ain't running from the backfield, but he is running, man. Running, running, running. Y'all see that game-winning touchdown? Man, the only bad thing about a night game for me is I got a one-year-old, and I could not run around the house screaming Julio. I had to type it on the on the group chat because uh, I just was blowing up in my head there. My wife was over there giving me the stink eye as I was running around. She was mad if I was going to wake that baby, but I just could hardly hold it in. Julio drops 104 yards. Two touchdowns, including that massive game winner on the little screen where the left tackle buried that cornerback. Looked like he was in a coffin getting put six feet below while Julio was running down the field. I couldn't believe it. I was completely nervous about that game. Matt Ryan had some really bad decisions and threw some rough passes, but he found Julio when it counted. Hey, let's talk about that for a second. So Matt Ryan, he, he looked rough. I think a lot of people say he looked rough. And here's something I throw out there to you. Julio Jones, take away that touchdown in the end, right? Minus the 54 yards that he got, right? You're down to to four for 52 yards and a touchdown. Besides that one play, he caught five balls for uh, of the 10 targets he had. That's got to be a little bit worrisome. It's not like, I mean, he's a wide receiver. What he's going to play, you're going to play him, right? But it's it's a little worrisome that Matt Ryan has come out a little shaky on this one, right? I mean, he's a baller. He's your varsity guy. He had a great game, but he actually played more this week than he played last week. And so, yeah, I don't ever worry about Julio under under any circumstances. He's going to get his. Even if Matt Ryan has a rough year, you look at two years ago in 2017, Matt Ryan goes 4,095 yards, 20 and 12. I mean, just a mediocre year. It was a down year for sure. Julio that same year in 2017 has 88 for 1444. Now his touchdowns were down at three, but if you're getting 88 catches for 1444 yards, I wouldn't even worry about the touchdowns. He's already got three this year. So no, nothing scares me about Matt Ryan's play as it relates to Julio. So you're talking about a guy who, who's got 21 targets over two games. He's only caught 11 balls. Yes, he has the three touchdowns. So he's, he's averaging just over 50%. Whereas you, you've got Calvin Ridley right there, two touchdowns, 16 targets. And of those, he, he's caught 12 of his 16 targets. And his yard per catch is somewhere in the 14-15 range. So... To me, it's interesting is that you almost can plug and play those guys. Yeah, what I think you're, you're seeing from Calvin Ridley versus Julio Jones is a coverage where they're fading coverage over to Julio, and that's, exactly. giving, that's giving Ridley some opportunities. But Julio, single coverage, double, double coverage, he's been able to do it his entire career, so that's not, a, that's not a concern for me. Heck, two years ago, Ridley wasn't even on the team, you know. And Julio had done it for three years straight before that. Let me jump from there to somebody else in the same conference who is getting those looks because the wide receiver one isn't. And that's that's Chris Godwin. Yeah. Chris Godwin right now caught eight of nine targets, 121 yards and a touchdown. That's two in a row. He, I mean, he's to me, 
he he's definitely a varsity player this past week. He's going to be a, part, a varsity player going forward. He's season long. He's a wide receiver too. He's a must start each week in, in either a flex position or a wide receiver too. I think you're good there. He is just benefiting all day from the fact that uh, Mike Evans is just not 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 producing, and a lot of that is because of who he's drawing. So yeah, and I think you you got to look a little hard in the mirror at Mike Evans right now, uh, not because of what he isn't doing, but you get him, you get him with the Giants this week, and if he can't do it against the Giants, then you start to worry a little bit. But I expect Mike Evans to have a huge game this week. Maybe Goblin takes a bit of a backseat because there isn't a, a dominant corner there, so they can push that ball to Evans if they need to. But yeah, Goblin this week, what a I mean, what a performance. He looked great. Yeah, between the two of them, just look at it. I think this goes back to kind of what I was pointing out. Is what I look at. You know, when you get targets coming at you, how often are you catching them? And Evans is catching the ball about 50% of the time or, or less. So Different kind of target. Uh, Evans has always been a downfield, uh, lower quality, but higher rate of return on targets, whereas Godwin's a possession receiver all the way. He's a short yardage guy. Somewhat similar to Michael Thomas and what he does for the Saints. Uh, not the same player, clearly, but a lot of short targets where maybe he can break something off with, like he did this past weekend. Uh, but he's not running deep routes and running goes. That's not his game. He's strictly a possession receiver, and that lends to a high reception rate, but uh, maybe a little bit less efficiency. You know, Evans is. I mean, last year he had 1,500 yards on less than 90 catches, I believe it was. So I don't worry about catch rate so much as a dot, uh, the average depth of target. So, and Mike Evans has always been a deep target kind of guy. Even though he doesn't have the speed, he's, his ability to use his body has been tremendous. Yeah, I think Mike Evans right now is a great opportunity to kind of uh, buy low. Uh, yes. If you're looking for a wide receiver there that a lot of people are probably frustrated because they got him on there and he's not producing, uh, I think he's a buy low if you can. Two, two games back-to-back where he didn't produce anything, nearly what his projected points were. And there's some owners out there who would probably take somebody who is a wide receiver too right now who's done over kind of what their projection was. And uh, and you could get Mike Evans on the cheap, I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So let me bring up a, a guy who does outright fly down the field like a Mike Evans, and that's John Ross. And two weeks in a row, like he is just straight up balling. You know, he, his targets went down a little bit, but he, he still got his catches and he got his touchdown. For for me, he's straight up varsity this week. I, I would even say, you know, with A.J. Green looking like maybe even a longer extent uh, un, unable to play. I think you could probably switch out. Uh, a John Ross and a Mike Evans trade probably it'd probably be good for you because once AJ Green comes back, uh, John Ross is gonna go down a little bit. I mean, you already saw Tyler Boyd sneaking into those catches this week. Yeah, look, that's perfect. I mean, we were talking just a second ago about Mike Evans and trying to buy low, and I agree, John Ross is that guy that you can use to buy low. Uh, he's having a great start to the season. You said his targets go down, but look, eight targets on a 16-game pace, that's still 128 targets. That would be top 15 in the league. I would take eight targets from just about any receiver out there if I can get that. Uh, but those eight targets won't be there when Green comes back. Exactly, and you've got you know? to look toward the future. If you can snag a proven commodity like Mike Evans for someone who is coming out of the gate roaring like John Ross, who we suspect may not be able to sustain this all season, you've yeah. got to do it. I would even I would even say right now, even though I'm calling him a varsity player because he he played like a varsity player yeah. last past few weeks. You got be, between AJ Green and I think Joe Mixon is actually going to start stepping it up. Uh, he I mean he's had two low weeks. He's another one of those guys you could probably buy low right now, and he's going to come on later in the season when the when when they need him to run, especially in the colder 
heir of, of Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, and also so his ankle will start getting a little healthier. His ankle, it was a, a light sprain, but still that can hamper you a little bit. But maybe another week of recovery, a few more ice baths. And- you're bringing him back, A.J. Greenback. You're going to see John Ross go down, sell right now John Ross at a, at a premium, and then buy low on some of these other players we talked about uh, already. Yeah. So those are my varsity. I think you got a couple more. Who are you looking I do, at? I do. Well, you know, I love alpha receivers. And Odell Beckham Jr. just proved he is still the man. Six for 161. And he got that touchdown, that 89-yard strike. Looked like nothing. You know, looked like a little dink. And off to the races he goes. That one won me two matchups. I was letting y'all know in the group chat, it was extreme for me. Another one of those where I wanted to start hooping and hollering, but of course I couldn't because this was Monday night and the baby was asleep and I had to keep it down a little bit. Otherwise, the wife is going to castrate me. But I tell you, I own Odell all over the place only because I think his big games are as big as anybody out there. I'm a business first person. He's sometimes frustrating to watch. But I'm trying to win some moolah in this thing. And Odell has always been a player that when he's on the field, he's helping you win. And then one more, and we talked about him last week. We're we're high on him. I started him, and so glad I did. Mark Andrews, another huge week. And I tell you, the biggest stat that I saw today, it popped up right before we came on the air here to, to record, is target share. He is leading all tight ends. Every tight end, Kelsey. Ertz, Kittle, Ingram. He's leading every one of them in target share. He's getting 27% of Lamar Jackson's looks. And this isn't Lamar Jackson throwing 13 passes like he did last year. This is Lamar Jackson who the Ravens have been airing it out. And they've got at least a couple more games before they hit a little tougher part of their schedule where Mark Andrews is going to continue to dominate. And if he is available, and he's probably not, you've got to grab him. But if you've got him, he's starting over just about anybody out there. Put Kelsey out there. Maybe you feel okay about Ingram. I know he had a bad game this past week. Uh, The same thing with Ertz, but I'm starting him over Kittle. I'm starting him over O.J. Howard, of course, and I'm going to talk about him in a minute because, boy, I have him a few places in Uh, But I'm starting him over just anybody except basically Kelsey and then maybe Ertz and Ingram. Uh, He's a top four tight end for me the rest of the way. All right, so we covered our varsity Let's get to those JV players, man, those players that we just don't even want to talk about, but we have to because they were actually in the game, even though sometimes you, you weren't even sure they were. Uh, my first one, and it goes back to your team, Alvin Kamara. I've got him on a roster. was feeling excellent. It was like, all right, those early games, I was looking great. And then I had a couple duds, and Kamara was one of them. You know, He goes 13 rushes for 45 yards. He gets just three targets and catches only one of them for 15. You couldn't ask for a worse game out of your top three pick than what Kamara gave us this week. So I think I kind of go back to what I kind of said earlier in the the cast is Kamara was a situation where your offensive line was really struggling. I don't think his ceiling really takes a hit there. Um, I think his floor might drop, but to me, I think he had a tough week 
I think everybody on the Saints team had a tough week. The fans had a tough week. So, yeah, he, definitely a JV player this week. Uh, but, man, the whole team struggled. And I think a lot of that was you can't run the ball, you can't pass the ball when you don't have an offensive line that's going to help you out. And that's a, that's a stud offensive line that just did not play up to that quality. So junior varsity is the entire Saints offensive line. Alvin Kamara, I think he's going to come back a little bit more time working with the, the team there with Bridgewater against Seattle. I think you're going to see him bounce back to to a low end RB one here going. Well, speaking forward. of great offensive lines, tell me about your boy from Indy, man. I let you rail because I got nothing for you. Yeah, so super disappointed in Marlon Mack the week before. Hey, here's a guy who just rushed for 25 times for 174 yards and a touchdown versus Chargers. Now he's got Tennessee and he puts up 20 rushes for 51 yards. I mean, 2.6 yards an average. Uh, he actually even saw some receiving targets this week and got two receptions for 12 yards. Marlon Mack, you really disappointed me. In fact, I would go as far as saying you lost me those two games this week. Um, I just, man, it just weren't there for me. Uh, yeah. But I do say that he's he's a bounce back candidate in week three against the Falcons. And we're going to get into that a little bit later with what another person on the, in, in India, I think it's a good player to pick against the Falcons. You know, and this is going to be the first home game for the Colts as well. You know, when Marlon Mack, the other thing you just didn't see is you didn't see Marlon Mack play in the red zone. I mean, you had Paris Campbell actually he had still some red zone looks there. So uh, T.Y. Hilton got it. Eric Ebron got it. Right. So to me. I think that really hurt Max's performance, but Max just didn't run either. You got to run the ball effectively, and then you got to get those touchdowns when his time is. And who would have thought Paris Campbell was going to be sneaking in to steal some touchdowns from Marlon Mack? But oh. yeah, disappointing to me overall. Well, so. look, speaking of guys who I think can bounce back this week from really bad weeks, uh, Christian McCaffrey, man. I said you couldn't expect less from your top three pick. But CMC goes 16 for 37, and he gets two catches for 16 yards. So, uh, CMC, what happened, man? Huge week in week one to this. But on the plus side, he does have Arizona in week three. And you can look forward to that because we all know that Arizona D is terrible. Yeah, no doubt. CMC is going to bounce back. You, you can't expect him to put up you know, 128 yards and two touchdowns every game and, and look at 11 targets. Hey, something's going on with Cam Newton there. Um, you know, we, besides, besides the boot thing, I think there's a mental thing going on. Um, uh, you know, and I hope that he he's able to overcome some of that stuff. But CMC can't carry this whole team on his back, just like you can't ask Kamara to do the same. They're yeah. very similar players. And to me, just one of those situations, man. CMC is going to have a good game against Atlanta. I just expect it. But just a rough week for him. The whole Panthers team, just a rough week. I, I don't think anybody really saw Panthers losing to Tampa Bay. Speaking of Tampa Bay, let's talk about a couple tight ends here real quick. Um, one guy who hasn't shown it this season. The other guy who showed it real big in week one. But the first guy, O.J. Howard, what a disappointment. And all the Arians doesn't use his tight ends narratives are coming true because he has shown absolutely nothing. He goes out there, gets nothing, no targets, of course, no receptions. The only encouraging thing is that he played 55 snaps. And today, Arians says the balls will come. We'll see. I, I think he's got to go to your bench for now. I wouldn't drop him just because I know how talented he is and what the tight end landscape looks like. 
But at the same time, you've got to be worried a little bit about O.J. Howard, and you have no confidence in him. And then T.J. Hawkinson. How about it, man? He's on your list. Yeah, so in most of my leagues, he was my top grab this week for tight end. I'm a tight end streamer, right? So I saw T.J. Hawkinson get that – Get those six for 131 and a touchdown that first week against Arizona. Yes, it was against Arizona, but only getting three targets, that one reception for seven yards, huge letdown, man. It totally. Now, I don't have buyer's remorse. I mean, this rookie gives me tight end one upside on talent alone. You can't let this situation with the Chargers really kill you because next week you got the Eagles and and potentially I think he's a tight end one. You keep playing him. I, I don't think he's going to get back to what he had against Arizona next week, uh, but he's definitely a play this week. But you need to be looking at some tight ends for the upcoming because he's got Kansas City following that, a bye week, and then he goes to at Green Bay. So for me, I think we're going to hit up some streamers there. But Hawkinson is not a drop. Don't have too much buyer's remorse. Play him this week. Stash him on the bench because he's going he's gonna to come back and play hard for you. In the middle of the season, he's, he's going to help carry this team, I think, uh, uh, Matt Stafford and the team uh, as, as much as he can as a rookie. So I, I think he's a keep. Yeah, and look, you've got a couple receivers I want to hear about as well. Uh, tell me about two receivers on your JV list here. Yeah, so actually it's three. So I hit the first one. When I talk about people I want to drop, Dante Moncrief comes to mind. Like, I mean, completely JV. Also, I got Josh Gordon out there. He just didn't perform. Maybe called that the A-B effect. But Jarvis Landry out there also, you know, just kind of disappointing to me. And I think that's that's the OBJ effect. You know, I think they both had a thousand yards in one season while at LSU. And that wasn't a team known for throwing. And so they know how to play together. They're going to get theirs. But, you know, between those three players, I, I really was let down by Dante Moncrief is a drop. Josh Gordon is definitely a wide receiver three for me at this point with, a, with the, with the AB effect. And, and honestly, Landry right now is a, a sitting on your bench. Don't drop him because he's a good handcuff, but I was just disappointed in those three. Yeah, Moncrief is garbage. I mean, he's whatever. He's been garbage for all but one season where he caught some touchdowns. Landry, I said it in the offseason, he worried me because of the target share. Odell is such a target hog and such a better talent than Landry. He's more explosive. He's able to do more with the ball. And so it's natural to get him more looks. Landry scares me a little bit. The one guy that I want to keep an eye on is Josh Gordon. And that's only because of the whole A-B situation. It popped up real late last week uh, while we were recording. We didn't get a chance to really discuss it. And we're not going to get into too many of the details there because we can't presume one way or another what's going on. We don't know. But one thing we can say is keep an eye on the situation, whether A-B continues to play or maybe he ends up on that commissioner's exempt list. They interviewed that girl for 10 hours today is what I read. So there's some information they're gathering there. Uh, Josh Gordon, to me, becomes unplayable if A.B.'s out there. If he's not, he's all of a sudden a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three at worst. So he's a bench guy for me until I hear more from uh, the A.B. situation and what the NFL wants to do there. All right, so we covered our uh, JV versus our varsity players there and who stood out and who let us down. Let's get to the rundown real quick. We'll kind of lightning through this real fast, uh, cover some names, and uh, move on because uh, it's not like last week where there's so much new information, but we do have some injuries to talk about. Of course, uh, Breeze and Roethlisberger, we've talked about them enough as well as Cam. Uh, let's talk about uh, two receivers from Philly, Alshon and Djax. Alshon Jeffrey has a calf injury. He's the king of soft tissue injuries. 
who knows what's going to go on with that. I, I scoured all day. I couldn't find anything further. Uh, we're going to know more as practice reports come along. Uh, but they did give us an update on DJX, your boy. He's out, looks like, two weeks with that stomach issue. Word is that was bothering him before the game, and uh, it was just too much to play with. So he had to sit out. I know that hurts you real bad. Yeah, I, I got a goose egg on him, and uh, I had Alshon in another league, and I goose egged on him. Ouch. So to me, you know, that's one of those, you know, not not expecting that to go the way it did in those late games. But I, I think we got we got something for you a little later where I think this will go, at least in the yeah. interim. I tell you, another injury that's really concerning me, that James Conner we kind of talked about, Damian Williams, LaShawn McCoy. I think Damian's going to be out. Sean McCoy, I think everything came back good. Is that right? Yeah, the MRI came back clean, no major damage. So McCoy, he's day-to-day. I think they're going to end up trying to push him to play this week. Uh, Damian Williams has a knee contusion. Uh, There's nothing to know about that. Keep an eye on practice reports. Anything limited is a good sign. Neither of these guys are going to get full practices in this week. But if they get on the field uh, in a limited capacity, you're looking at a situation where both of them might end up playing anyways. Uh, it might be better if one of them sat. You know, if Damian Williams sat, you could feel really good about starting LaShawn McCoy, maybe reaching for a, a DFS play there if you do some of that DraftKings fan duel stuff. So and you then- may actually find yourself with a, a, a good win there with uh, Darwin Thompson. Uh, as a player, I mean, I'm going to tell you, Kansas City Chiefs like to spread the ball around. The only one that you is consistent right now on the Chiefs is the quarterback. Otherwise, it's a crapshoot who's going to win. So, Forget about your boy Kelsey now. Yeah, yeah, Kelsey, absolutely. Yes, you're right. But I'm talking about your wide receivers, your running backs, your non-streamers, yeah. right? So we're going to get into those guys in a minute. But I'm going to tell you, for me right now, Damian Williams, I think he's going to be out. I think LaShawn McCoy's in there. I think it's worth, if you're looking for somebody, you, you've got to find somebody. Darwin Thompson probably see plenty of snaps this week yeah. and when they take on the Ravens uh, because that's just going to really be a – I think that's a, that's a track meet. This weekend. Yep. So, and then one more guy, uh, Michael Gallup. He came, he came out of the gate so good in week one. And uh, that Dallas offense looks really good. We're going to mention a player that you can add in a little bit to replace him. But he's out two to four weeks. He's going to have a little knee scope. You're just going to have to play the wait and see game on whether he's out two to four weeks. Hopefully the short end of that. Uh, but as far as injuries, we kind of covered it. But I want to keep on touching on a few more of these young wide receivers. We mentioned John Ross, but Marquise Hollywood Brown goes out there and does it again. He goes eight for 86, and the most impressive thing there is he gets 13 targets. He's just on the field a lot more last week. He he only played 14 snaps. This week he gets 13 targets alone. And then my guy Terry McLaurin he goes five for 62 with a touchdown, has another nine targets. He looks like the clear number one wide receiver in Washington. And I know it's not the offense that you really look for, but a number one in any offense is worth rostering and, and playing. Same goes for DJ Chark, who looks to be the number one option there. Uh, everyone going into the season really thought that D.D. Westbrook was going to be the man. And it looks like DJ Chark has really taken over. Seven for 55 with a touchdown on nine targets. The yardage isn't great, but the usage is excellent. Um, all four of those guys, nobody had, nobody really felt great about starting them in week two, but I think you can feel excellent about starting all four of those guys going forward. And I got, I got one more for you. I'll tell you this. I think DK Metcalf, one of those guys right now that you could probably buy, buy low. You know, he had a pretty decent day fantasy wise, three for 61 and a touchdown. But here's the thing. Okay. The boy can run. I mean, you're talking about over 20 yards per catch. 
And, you know, he had 89 yards in the week one win of the Bengals. You know, I think he, he's creeping up. So to me, he was a wide receiver for a lot of people adding. He's probably not on the waiver wire. Uh, he's he's seen more targets than Tyler Lockett in the first game. To me, I think he's crouched up at that wide receiver three, four option now. I think yep. after this weekend, you'll be surprised. He's probably going to do pretty well. Yeah, I agree. He's, I think New Orleans is reeling a little bit. And uh, you got Seattle coming to town that uh, he could end up having another big game. Uh, he's a mismatch for some of those cornerbacks out in New Orleans. So uh, that's another good one to put on your uh, on your radar there. Yeah, Eli Apple is the number two right now for the Saints, and he's just getting eaten up. I mean, you got locked down on the other side with Lattimore, and so he's going to draw Lockett. Uh, so you could probably see Lockett go down. So DK Metcalf, to me, start this week. I, he's one of those young wide receivers that I think is just going to continue to do well. I think he's over that injury thing he had going earlier in the preseason. But um, now I think he's ready to roll. And I think um, I think he's starting to find a rhythm right now with, uh, with Russell Wilson. Right, right. And look, you know, I know we talked about quarterbacks. But, man, if you've got a star quarterback right now, you got to bubble wrap him because the Grim Reaper is prowling the NFL and he is taking him down. Um, but that's not the kind of player that I want to keep on my roster. I want to talk roster construction for just a second. And it comes down to keeping backup QBs, backup tight ends. And I've got a situation right now where I've got too many tight ends on a team. I've got to start purging. But you're looking for players with upside. And the backup QB is replaceable. I had a guy, and I get these messages every once in a while. People like to run stuff by me. I, you know, I, I'm at the bar working. People want to talk. Uh, but I got a Facebook message from a guy who had Ben Roethlisberger, and he's a Steelers fan, and he's talking about replacing Ben Roethlisberger. And I just assumed that was his starter. And I said, yeah, you know, you could pick up Dalton or Josh Allen and start those guys and feel okay about it. And he goes, well, I actually, I'm looking for a backup. I've got Aaron Rodgers. I just don't want to wait till his bye in week seven. I'm thinking, man. And I told him, look, you'd be better off grabbing a backup running back than you would holding on to a replacement-level quarterback. You know, before the season, Breida, David Montgomery, Raheem Mostert, Carlos Hyde, those guys were late draft picks or undrafted altogether, and now they've got opportunity. So you're looking for the next guys who can have opportunity. Uh, I preached Rashad Penny. Look, he gets 10 carries, 60-plus uh, yards, and a touchdown this past week. He's explosive. He has a 37-yard touchdown run. Devin Singletary, he's averaging – 12-plus yards a carry right now. His usage can't do anything but go up. Uh, he didn't get any targets this week, but that's a team that is going to use the run game, and he is clearly better than Frank Gore. Now, he's got a hamstring injury, so Frank Gore is someone that you can play in the next week or two, if that, especially if Devin Singletary is on the bench nursing that hamstring. But he is a player with huge upside. Same goes for Justice Hill, Alexander Madison, Ito Smith, Darwin Thompson, Jalen Samuels. We almost saw Jalen Samuels coming into this week. Now, it looks like Connor is going to be okay. He's going to play this week. Uh, that's the optimism from the Steelers. But that's a guy who is available everywhere, and we saw at the end of last season. You give these guys a chance with one injury, they're just one injury away from being significant fantasy starters. And so to that, let's talk about some guys that we can pick up because we've got some ads. I know a few of you guys listened, and uh, – Maybe grab some of these players that were a little deeper. But I tell you, Terry McLaurin is still only 41% owned. How? How, how, how? If if he was available in any of my leagues, he was gone because I wasn't letting him sit there. He's still doing it. So you have got to grab players like that. 
Terry McLaurin, and then another guy who I'm high on this week, depending on what Alshon Jeffrey and that injury situation looks like, is Nelson Aguilar. It looks like he might be the number one wide receiver in Philly. I know when we were talking about D-Jacks, uh, Roby mentioned that there was somebody out here that we might be looking at, and I think that is it. Uh, if you need a quick replacement, he's he's only 4% owned. He's going to be available. Put him on your waiver ad. Uh, not in front of Terry McLaurin. Get Scary Terry, who finally has his face on the ESPN app, by the way. Thanks, ESPN, for being slow to the ball there. But uh, Nelson Aguilar is there. And then uh, Raheem Mostert, we just mentioned him. Jalen Samuels, they're both less than 30% owned. Um, those are guys that you can add right now. Maybe Jalen Samuels gets an opportunity this week. But those first three, you can plug and play. McLaurin, Aguilar, Mostert, put them in and roll. So, yeah, so I got McLaurin either in – either I picked him up or somebody picked him up. So he's owned in all of my leagues. He's on my bench right now, but he's he's slowly moving up to a flex. Nelson Aguilar for me, uh, I'm sitting there with D-Jax one. Uh, Alshon Jeffrey in the other league. And, and yeah, so right now my big waiver wire for me is, is Nelson Aguilar because I think, Terry, for me, Terry McLaurin is owned. But if Terry McLaurin is out there, uh, you got to grab him. Uh, Rasheem Mostar, I picked him up in a league last week. Nobody, everybody asked me, who is this guy? So if you're asking, who is this guy, then I'm really asking – are you paying attention to fantasy football right now? Because he really is one of those handcuffed guys that is going to benefit. I mean, look at him. He like something, something like over 20 points last week in fantasy points. So the other one, so Jalen Samuels, a uh, great, great grab there for as a handcuff. These are players that I think excellent handcuffs. We mentioned Darwin Thompson earlier. He's owned 19% of leagues out there. So um, I, I really think that those those are running backs to me that you need to grab. It, it depends on who you got sitting on your bench. So if you got somebody who's out for the season, you got like like Justin was saying, if you got a third quarterback, are you sitting with three tight ends on your? Go out and switch those dudes out and get some uh, get some waiver wire ads. I'd even drop my second quarterback. If I don't, if I've got a stud now, if I'm sitting here and I'm streaming quarterbacks with Stafford and Andy Dalton, I'll hold on to both of them and kind of pick, you know, mix and match my matchup there if I need to. But if I've got Aaron Rodgers, if I'm rolling out Russell Wilson, even of course Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, I'm not rostering a, a second quarterback. That's just silly. If a running back goes down, everyone is rushing to pick up that that backup uh, running back. If a quarterback goes down. Not everyone is rushing to grab that quarterback. You can already have the value on your bench just by rostering these guys. You know, everyone's been down on Frank Gore. He's on my list to grab this week simply because of opportunity. I mean, he's going to He's just going to drag his feet through the mud and churn, you know, two and a half, three, four yards of carry. But at the same time, he's going to get carries. So you've got to look at opportunity and capitalizing on value on your bench and the backup quarterback is not the way to capitalize on that value. Look, we got some more wide receivers to talk about. Uh, let's just get through these real quick because there's not a whole lot to say. We got Debo Samuel. You know, he's making Pettis irrelevant. Uh, Pettis has 35 snaps, zero targets. Meanwhile, Debo Samuel goes out there and has a great game. Devin Smith, what a monster. Uh, if he's going to get opportunity while Michael Gallup is out, Devin Smith is a must-add and potentially a start in a deep league or if you're struggling at wide receiver like I am in one league, He's going to be on my list. Uh, I've got a couple players that I've got him, got outlined here, Aguilar, Smith, that I want to be able to grab and play this coming week if I need to. And then Demarcus Robinson, 
Uh, he and Miko Hardeman both had pretty good games. Obviously, Demarcus Robinson, being the number one wide receiver on the week, had the bigger game. And one thing I want to say, I think both of those guys are fine. I'm not confident that I want to start Demarcus Robinson on a weekly basis. The same with Hardman. But one thing about it is I value Robinson over Hardman simply because of what happens when Tyreek Hill comes back. Now, it's a super small sample size, but they went three wide nine times with Tyreek in the game. And Robinson was on the field for all nine. Hardman wasn't on the field for any of them. So that's a big deal for me. You're talking about, I don't care what the what the depth chart said. Jeff and I were talking about this in the pre-show. I believe you said that you like Hardman more because of the depth chart. But the play on the field said something entirely different. And that was that Robinson was the third wide receiver and Hardman was a distant fourth. Uh, I know, tell me, tell me I'm wrong. No, I don't. I mean, I understand what you're, what you're saying with the, the depth chart things. For me, McCall Hardman is the, the beggar pickup here over DeMarcus Rollins. But I, you, you're not going to go wrong by picking up either one of them. So, I mean, it's just, it, but I said it earlier when it came to the Kansas City Chiefs, who's going to be the guy who catches passes this week? Right. No one knows. You can guarantee Travis Kelsey. Outside of that, I don't know that you can really say who's going to be your top wide receiver, and you're really kind of gambling a little bit. I mean, it's not like Hardman didn't have a, a very productive day. He still went 61 yards and a touchdown on on four receptions. So and actually, me, he had a actually he had a 70 yarder called back on a on a penalty. So. 72 yarder that went back. That's not his fault. So I mean, you even throw that in there. There's another 14 points right there. He had over 20-point game. So, to me, I think McCole Hardman is the better player. He, he, I think he just has the more upside there, but you're not going to go wrong either way, and I think it's still a gamble for Kansas City. I mean, everybody, it's going to be a situation played week to week, but you need to go grab one of these two players uh, and put them on there. And here's what I want to say. It goes back to kind of what you were saying with roster construction. When you're looking at your waiver wire, Okay, and you got three dudes you're ready to drop, and you're like, hey, I need to pick up either Demarcus Robinson or McCall Harmon. You need to go in your waiver wire and say, Demarcus Robinson for my number one drop, McCall Harmon for my number one drop, Demarcus Robinson for number two drop, and vice versa, all the way down so that you guarantee that no matter how that works out, you're going to actually get one of these two players for one of those three because it's, it's kind of how it's going to play. And, and chances are you may actually get two of those guys, and one of my ones would be in a stud, and you could drop the other one later or trade. To me, it's all about how you play it, and, and to these two guys, it's a 50-50 uh, crapshoot for me. Yeah, that's a great point about the waiver wire and not just setting it like, oh, I want to drop Pettis, and I want to pick up one of these wide receivers. So uh, we got yeah, uh, I, yeah, so let me throw something out there to you. How do you feel about a waiver wire ad? For a guy who who's suspended, I mean, we're looking two weeks out before he even comes back from playing, and we got a couple guys out there like that. So, uh, is this a time right now where you can kind of be sneaky on the waiver wire and jump in and steal a guy like Golden Tate, you know, and and get him early now because you know he's going to produce? What do you think? Yeah, I don't know that I'm adding him this week, but I'm definitely adding these two guys next week if I need the help. Uh, Golden Tate at wide receiver, he's going to have volume just because they have nobody there. And then Chris Herndon at tight end. That Jets offense loves to use a tight end, and he was really productive last year. Uh, Both of them are going to be coming back after the fourth game. So I think you might be able to sneak in before the fourth game and grab them because they're not going to be – you're not going to see projected stats on your app. They're they're not going to be high on the waiver priority list. 
because people kind of get influenced by that projected stats or last week's score, etc. And I know I sort by last week's score so I can kind of see who had opportunity and took advantage of it. It's imperative that you look at deeper roster ads, especially for players that are coming off of suspension or injuries. Uh, you're going to anticipate their return. You know, if Michael Gallup gets dropped, keep an eye on it. Maybe in two weeks you add him, and it looks like he's going to be back in four, that kind of thing. Yeah, Players so this goes can, back to, to what I was we were saying last week about using your watch and, and putting these guys on there. But here's what I think. Chris Herndon, add this week. Why? Because, like you said, he is a tight end. He's going to be the guy. He's going to be the man for the New York Jets. They're going to need him. So next week, you're, you're, everybody's going to talk about it. We're going to talk about it. Everybody's going to talk about it. So he's going to be gone next week. If you're in one of those situations where, hey, the waiver wire rolls based on you know who picks up first, and then you kind of like a, a first in, uh, first out kind of situation, you find yourself like, I got a guy, Terry McLaurin, this week. Well, that's my number one guy, and I picked him. So I'm going to rotate to the back of the, the waiver wire. Ad. Well, guess what? Grab Chris Herndon as an ad. Post waiver wire. Yeah, don't use that waiver priority, right? Yeah, don't use the waiver priority. Don't use your money if you're in one of those the leagues that you have to have to bid on these guys. But grab him as a free ad right there. Grab both of these guys as a free ad is what I'm trying to say. Yeah, and when you get ready to grab these guys, make sure you're dropping some of these players that we've already talked about: Pettis, Moncrief, Didi Westbrook's on that list for me uh, with DJ Chark looking so good. Corey Davis. I I even I told you guys I was done with him. And I held on to him one week too long because it's just a shallow league there for uh, wide receivers. Jeff and I are in this one together, and there's just not a whole lot of wide receiver uh, action there. I was too far down the waiver wire priority to grab one of those big receivers last week, so I kind of got stuck. But I'm not doing it this week. Corey Davis is off. Here's a drop for you. It hurts, but I had to say it. Ted Ginn Jr., if he's out there, drop him. Uh, The Saints have done – Two, three passes over 20 yards, and that's where that's where Ted Ginn is 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 a money maker. Um, yeah, he's going over the middle, he's still catching the balls, but he makes your money over the top. And yes, Teddy Bridgewater has the arm; he could throw it, but he missed him this past week on his only chance over 20. To me, drop Ted Ginn to pick one of these guys up we're talking about right now, and you may find yourself grabbing him later on when Drew Brees comes back. When the open when the top gets open, so don't look at his first week uh, and say, "Well, look how he did uh, against Houston." He's not going to keep doing it. Or you say, hey, maybe I can sell this guy. Uh, maybe I can uh, tack him on with somebody else to make a trade happen. You might get lucky. But to me, if he's still sitting there and you're looking for a guy on Saturday or Sunday morning, uh, drop tag in, Junior. He's not going to be the guy producing. Yeah, and I would I would say the same thing about Latavius Murray. I know he scored the touchdown. Uh, looked really good on that one run. Uh, but he's getting five, six touches a week. It's just not worth keeping on your roster, especially right now. Uh, he's not one of those high upside guys in that Saints offense as long as Drew Brees is gone. So he and also Duke Johnson, if you need the space. Now, I'm not saying drop Duke Johnson just to drop him. But if you've got you know, a Terry McLaurin out there or Raheem Mostert, I would drop Duke Johnson for one of those kind of guys. One of those higher end waiver wire ads just because. And I didn't think it was going to be possible. It looks like Carlos Hyde has uh, taken over that backfield and uh, has made Duke Johnson pretty much irrelevant. So look, we've covered our waiver wire ads. Uh, you know, let's get to our uh, our next segment here. We got the surging to the front and the fading to the rear. We're going to just discuss teams as a whole because it seems like we've got some movement for teams and it's going to be a little bit shorter 
for us, we don't want to keep this going too long. We're going to kind of move a little quickly over our last two segments here. But surging to the front, I got the Bills, Cowboys, and 49ers, man. Uh, the Bills look awesome. Uh, Josh Allen's killing people out there. Uh, the Cowboys, Dak Prescott is earning that paycheck. He might have been smart to turn down $30 million a year the way he's playing right now. He might end up getting $38, 40000000 million. It's looking great. And then the 49ers, that offense is humming. And, you know, you can expect that with Kyle Shanahan. It looks like that Tampa Bay defense that they played in the week one is a little tougher than everybody thought. So it's, it's important not to glean too much out of that. They looked really good this past weekend. Uh, the 49ers have some options out there with Debo and their running backs. And I think George Kittle's going to uh, make some noise in the coming weeks. But Bills, Cowboys, 49ers, man. Are you impressed with those guys? Bills, I'm questionable because I, I'm, you know, I, I don't know. Bills. I know how you feel about John <laughs> Brown. You don't, you don't believe in their wide receivers, but I'm telling you, John Brown's a good wide receiver. We had this conversation, then he goes out there and he does his thing again. John Brown's legit. Calm down. And the scheme is excellent with Josh Allen. So I, I'm just not not John Brown fan. I'm telling you, I think Josh Allen to me is yeah, he's the guy to go get as a streamer, and we'll you know we'll get into some streamers in a second. But I, I really see that the Bills are not a team that to me is surging to the front. They're just there. Uh, but the Cowboys have absolutely they got the Dolphins. I'm the first one to bring the Dolphins up this week, but it's on the negative side because they're to play in the boys. And then the 49ers, right? So um, 49ers are impressing me. I, I'm shocked that Garoppolo's playing as well as he is. I was expecting him to have at least six interceptions by this point, and he's, and he's <laughs> doing, doing fantastic. They're doing well. Um, again, uh, when you're looking at the guys who are surgeons in front, yep, those are mine. Uh, I'm right there with you. Fading to the rear, though, I think we're on the same page. The Saints fading to the rear. Steelers fading to the rear. Um, and, and I think – we got some here that are kind of surprise some people. I, I think the Bears are fading to the rear, and, the, and I don't know that the Panthers are fading to the rear so much as they, they're in the rear. They, I mean, they lost yeah. Tampa Bay. Who would have thought that? But the Bears, yeah, I think they're fading, fading back away. Yeah, the Steelers and Saints, that's an easy one just because of the quarterback situation, and it could be something similar with the Panthers. What's going on with the Bears, man? I thought for sure Trubisky, and I didn't draft him, of course. I didn't expect him to be fantasy relevant, but I thought he could carry – some of those players to fantasy relevance and you know you got a rob coming out there week one looking great uh making spectacular catches and then he just no calls no shows in this past week david montgomery gets a lot more touches this week i'm glad i drafted him he's it looked like they want to give him the work but he gets 18 for 60 something i didn't even i think it was 62 uh it just the whole offense is struggling right now there's nobody you can count on in that offense um, Montgomery is a flex play at best, and that's not good if the best player on your offense is just a flex play. I'm scared that Trubisky is not the right fit for Nagy's scheme or vice versa. They need to do a little bit more RPO action. He's an athletic move quarterback, and they're just sitting him in the pocket back there, and that offensive line hasn't been playing great. So along with those three big injuries to the quarterback, yeah, the Bears are struggling for me. All right, so we've talked enough about all this. Let's get into this coming week, and let's talk about some streamers, guys, we can pick up that are low percentage owned that we can make a difference on our roster and our lineup this week. We're not talking about long-term waiver ads like some of the guys we mentioned before. Let's get guys that we can plug and play. So your boy Josh Allen we just mentioned against the Bengals. We all know how bad the the Bungles' defense is. Uh, We can move past that. Matthew Stafford, you told me this earlier, and I had to look it up. 
he's the number five quarterback on the year right now. And he's going against an Eagles team that has been torched in week one and two. That's a great start for someone who needs some quarterback help. And I'm a streamer in one league. I decided to drop Phillip Rivers for Derek Carr, uh, thinking Derek Carr could throw some points up against the Chiefs. It didn't happen. Fortunately, Rivers wasn't that good, so it didn't make me regret much, except that I didn't get the right streamer last week. But Matthew Stafford is a guy that I'm going to be targeting this week. Yeah, it's really interesting because besides Ken Galladay, and we, we talked earlier about Hawkinson, most people can't name another wide receiver on the Lions. Uh, and we're talking don't, about don't, don't disrespect Marvin Jones like I, that. I'm not, no, he's there, but most people aren't really <laughs> saying, hey, I got Marvin Jones on my team, you know, so, and, and Danny Amendola. Like, people aren't talking about these guys, yet they're going out there and they're playing and they're and they're doing the job because you've got a quarterback that is, is a franchise quarterback and he's playing up to where he's at. Yet this is a guy who can play. And, and he's played well. Uh, I think Matt Stafford, only 26% of the leagues, like you said, he's going up against the Eagles team that has actually played a little worse than I thought they would. So their defense isn't playing there. So I'm picking up Stafford uh, as a streamer and playing him. If Josh Allen's out there, he's my number one. And then Matt Stafford's number two. You know, and it, it gets interesting because Andy Dalton's played fantastic and 10% of the leagues out there he's owned. Dude's just balling. I don't, I don't know what it is. I guess he, well, I can maybe, tell you. Maybe it's this new, new, new coach, but um, yeah, he's slinging it. I can tell you part of what it is, and it's volume, volume, volume. And for quarterbacks, just like for running backs, that is key. He's attempted 93 passes in two games. 93 passes. He's on pace for more than 700 attempts. The only player right now who's thrown more is Kyler Murray with 94, and he's had some extra time to do it. Andy Dalton, if they're gonna throw the ball like that. All season long, he might be an every week starter uh, just because of how much he's going to get to put out there. 729 yards passing right now. He's got four touchdowns. He's only thrown one pick, so he's looking good. Uh, his, his yards per attempt is 7.8, so you're looking at a player who is pushing the ball downfield. He's kind of always been that guy, and he's going to get A.J. Green back. This week against Buffalo, it's not the greatest matchup, but if they're going to be playing like that with that much volume, he doesn't need a great matchup. He just needs that kind of opportunity. So give me Andy Dalton. Uh, he's another player. I'm going to be plugging him in some uh, DFS stuff simply for the volume. But let's talk about two guys that have great matchups, uh, Jameis Winston and Jacoby Brissett. Uh, neither of those guys are heavily owned. Jameis at 43, Jacoby at only 12%. I think both of those, if you can't do it against the Giants – or the Atlanta defense that hasn't looked great so far, although they did get a good bit of pressure on Carson Wentz this past weekend, they still gave up yardage. Those two guys, I think if you can't, if they can't get it done against those, then you kind of feel really rough about them. But Brissett's been pretty good so far. Winston had a decent game last week. Not as great as everybody wants to talk about it being, but I think you could stream both of those guys. I'm definitely with you on Jacoby Brissett. And to me, that was kind of my talk of the office. QB, people are a little like, Really? I'm like, well, yeah, in the last two games, he's averaged uh, around 20 fantasy points, uh, and he's played against two very good defenses. Atlanta will be his easiest defense by far, it, even if they are in the top half of the league. But Jacoby Brissett is a play, and, and this might be his best matchup so far against Atlanta. Jameis Winston's, I disagree with you. I just, I, I'm not a Jameis Winston guy. I ha- haven't been, not going to put any money into him. I'm not streaming him. He's way low. There's a lot better streamers I've got than him, and we've named him. Yeah, I'm just talking for matchup. I mean, looks can be deceiving, but... 
you know, the Cowboys and Bills both just rolled right over the Giants. And I think that Jameis has that opportunity. So, you know, another position we both like to stream a good bit is tight end. And the first two guys that we're going to mention, they may be a little bit too high owned to stream, although you can look for them. Uh, Greg Olson versus the Cardinals and Jimmy Graham versus the Broncos. Uh, Jimmy Graham put up a goose egg. Uh, that's more about the matchup this week because uh, I know he didn't do so hot against Minnesota, who's always really tough against tight ends, but the Broncos are not. And then Greg Olson is a target hog in that offense, and they're going up against a putrid Cardinals defense. They give it up left and right. They're worse than those girls on Team Mom. I, I want every piece of action I can get on them. Uh, if I can get an offense going against them, and Greg Olson is an easy plug-and-play for me. I will say this. I, I'm not big on Greg Olson. I know he's like uh, the go-to right now there. I'm just not because, you know— <laughs> Besides the fact that the guy looks, you know, 60 years old on the sideline when he takes his helmet off, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering, like, was that was that assistant coach suiting up? The dude's old. Uh, I'm not picking him, but I will say I can't be uh, an ageism because I will say my streamer this week would be Jason Witten versus my aunt. <laughs> yeah. So, of so I can't really hate too much. Got gray hair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, Greg Olsen may be the only shining hope there. So I do understand where you're coming from. But let's just say, look, when it comes to Jason Witten, he may be old. He may be uh, a bad football commentator, but Jason Witten gets the job done. He's on pace for for 56 receptions for only 320 yards. But but here's the catch. He's on pace for 16 touchdowns. Yeah, he okay? each game, yeah. Mm-hmm. He's scoring. And so don't be surprised if this week he gets three to four catches and 20 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. Because if your tight end's putting up 10-plus points, that's a win right there for you, you know? Especially if you're streaming tight ends, you don't have George Kittle or one of the other guys that we mentioned earlier. But people aren't going to go after him. I'll tell you another guy that's going up uh, is going to have a good matchup, and it's, it's going to be Will Disley, Seattle Seahawks, for those of you who don't have a clue who I'm talking about. I think he has a good game this week. I think the back and forth, I think the Saints defense are going to be better. I'm not necessarily playing them. I'm benching them this week. They do get points. Um, but, but Will Disley is a guy that will have a good matchup against the Saints and can potentially do pretty good going forward for you, too. Yeah, and, you know, those are some tight ends that you're not – talking about benching you know evan ingram for these guys you're talking about benching the vance mcdonald's of the world you don't like a matchup you know eric ebron etc and you're looking for a good stream uh that's where you're plugging and playing with those don't bench your stud like i said before start your studs except maybe against these defenses that we're going to stream now well those cowboys we're going to go back to the well with those guys because they play the dolphins Hey, and by the way, I just want to back up what I said here about Preston Williams. I know I brought him up a bunch last week, but he had a four for 63. Not a bad day for a a wide receiver. If you're looking for a wide receiver three, uh, distant flex kind of guy, I'm just going to go back to it. But I wouldn't play him this week against the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are going to roll right over the Dolphins. Again. And then uh, the 49ers. Well, let me say something on, on the die, the Cowboys real quick, okay? Nope. In a lot of leagues, you can still pick them up. It depends on how, how smart your league is. Here's what I'm saying, okay? I'm a little surprised by the lack of sacks that they're getting, okay? Um, they kind of changed to this bend-don't-break against the Washington Redskins in week two. So kind of thinking to myself that they definitely have this boomer bust opportunity. Yes, this week they're a must-play. 
But look at them as they go forward and, and some of the games that they're going to have. You know, they got New Orleans the week after that, Green Bay. So this is one of those you stream them this week and then check yourself because if quarterback oh, wait, injury ball keeps going. Oh, um, no. They're playing New Orleans in week four. I want to play them all day against Teddy Bridgewater in that offense. I'm not scared of that offense one bit without Drew Brees. So well, I think yeah, maybe it's a week. It's a week to week for me with the Cowboys. Definitely one of those you actually want to get if it's available and then bench them. And, and I don't say that a lot with defenses, but with the Cowboys, that's a bench defense. The Browns, that's a bench defense. Um, yeah, but I would tell you that there's a couple others that you have out here, and I would say 49ers defense. I'm shocked. Um, was not seeing that coming out. Some people called it. I'm a little surprised by that, but yes, stream them. Yeah, against that Steelers offense without Ben Roethlisberger, and I know you talked up Mason Rudolph earlier, but I got no confidence in that offense right now until I see it. And the 49ers have looked really good on defense, and it pains me to say it because 49ers fans are almost as bad as Cowboys fans, although none of them were as bad as Saints fans. You know how I feel about that. Uh, and, <laughs> and then uh, the Redskins versus the Bears. I mean, we talked about Mitch Trubisky and uh, them fading to the rear there. That whole offense, he's going to turn the ball over. They're not going to be efficient. And the Redskins have looked pretty good uh, as a whole, playing against some pretty good matchups so far. I would start them against the Bears uh, in a must-start situation where I need a defense because that Bears offense is so bad that they're going to make just about any defense look good. They're going to give up sacks. They're going to give up turnovers. It's just a good all-around play for a defense against the Bears offense. All right, well, that just about wraps it up. Hey, I just want to throw one thing out there uh, in case anybody didn't notice. uh, Today, C.J. Anderson was cut, uh, so keep an eye on that and how that affects on Johnson's usage. Uh, He might be a buy low right now if you can get him before the week ends. Uh, Jeff, man, I appreciate you being on here. Thanks for powering through in your time of grief and sorrow with Uncle Drew going down. I'll leave you to mourn your loss as we head out, man. Yeah, it's been a tough one for this week. But, you know, hey, we have a great opportunity right now to really bounce back. I think my teams are looking still good. Those injuries are hitting us. But, you know, Justin and I did some uh, some looking up earlier, and, and it's not like it's, it's any worse than last year. It's just different position players. So for us, I will tell you, just stay with it. It's going to get more consistent. If your team is struggling right now, don't be afraid to trade. Definitely get on this waiver wire. Some of the ads we have, they're money. And uh, and you know what? If you have a question you're, and you're trying to figure out, should I get this guy or should I play this guy, uh, hit us up at the rundown ff pod and and we'll and we'll be able to hit you up right back and uh and tell you whether or not you're good to go so thanks justin and and, and we're killing it buddy and and thanks for listening in. yeah man i've had a really good time you know this is gonna cap up our uh, third episode here hey in case you guys missed it and uh i put it out there but you can find us on itunes now yeah we're all big time just search the rundown ff pod on there you hit that subscribe button so you can catch our newest episodes they pop and, uh, man, feel free to rate and review. Uh, we'd love to hear some feedback from you guys. You know, once again, thanks for listening, and we're going to call it a show. But remember, together we run this. Catch you next week. <laughs>